Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Seth. And I'm Chris. And uh, we're trying hey. something new today, so uh, be sure to bear with us a little bit. This is uh, where we've switched over from uh, using Zoom to using a uh, platform called StreamYard, uh, which gives us a number of new options. Uh, like uh, we can put up a cool overlay, so if you want to see... Uh, where is it? There it is. Yes. So we're figuring it out. <laughs> so so bear with us. But uh, I think we got a good show for you today. We're planning to talk about uh, the latest Spider-Man movie as well as uh, how uh, Boba Fett ended for the season. So uh, let's uh, jump right in. Who wants to start with Spider-Man? Ooh, I do. I do. Go for it. Well, have you seen it, Bill? I have not, so I'm going to be the audience member wanting to know all there is to know. Well, then, spoiler warning. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready yeah. to be spoiled. Rotten. All right. So, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home uh, picks up after the first, or picks up after the exact, right at the end of the second movie when uh, J. Jonah Jameson comes on the screen and tells the world that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And so, like, all the, oh, you know, all that from the previews. So, Peter's having a really rough time. His family's kind of being harassed by law enforcement. He's public enemy number one all of a sudden. And it's also like this news is all there. High schoolers trying to get into college. And now, no college will take Peter, uh, MJ, or Ned. Mm -hmm. So Peter's feeling really guilty and as we know from the trailer goes to uh Stevens Stephen Strange to make the world forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Hmm. And things go awry in a good way. Yeah. No. When do things go awry in a good way? <laughs> well, if you're an evil character. Well, if, if uh, yeah, I guess if it was character, yeah. if you're an evil character and your plans go awry, that means the hero showed up. Ah, uh, I suppose going awry isn't a good I guess, thing. Yeah, I guess it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah, so uh, where things uh, kind of kick off there was, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, but when Doctor Strange goes to initiate this spell for Peter to 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 kind of fix things, so um, 
Uh, people, it, it was so nobody would remember who he was, right? Mm-hmm. And during that, uh, is, it, is it Peter that keeps interrupting Doctor Strange while he's trying to cast this spell, and and it doesn't quite finish successfully, if you will, um, and, and causes a little bit of chaos uh, when he's trying to cast the spell. Yeah. So what? Uh, the original spell, what it was supposed to do is make everyone forget that Spider-Man was Peter Parker. Right. And that failed. And in, due to kind of uh, Peter's uh, kind of wishy-washiness and like, no, 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 I need exceptions to the spell. He, he <laughs> That's not how up. that works, Peter. <laughs> yeah, he, he messes up the spell. And it's about to get out of control, but Doctor Strange contains it. Well, but now, not. Hmm? Let me jump in here just a little bit because while I haven't seen the show, I, I've seen the trailer and I got the impression from the trailer that Doctor Strange just kind of immediately jumped into the spell without kind of talking it through with him first. Yeah. That, that does yeah. kind of happen. Yeah. Okay. So cause Dr. Strange, he's, he's impatient and it's probably because, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of Peter being here. Peter just, just fine. I'll do it. Get out of here. And, and <laughs> okay. you're right. There's not really much conversation that leads up to him casting the spell. So he's just kind of like, you know what? I can help you out, kid. Let's just do this. And he's just doing it, you know, and then Peter's like, great, this is going to work out. Hey, I have some questions. And he's already like halfway through the spell, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, that's kind of where things go awry. Yeah. So, so, so something funny. interesting, though, that like we learn in that section is one, they deviate from the trailer. Yes, they Wong, do. Yeah. Wong never forbids Strange from casting the spell. Oh. Steven's just like, oh, we use it all the time. Don't you huh. remember the inc- or the party we had at the weird location? And Wong is like, no. And he's like, see? Yeah. So they, they, the trailer for that was a little misleading. Mm. And I guess I haven't seen Shang-Chi yet. I really need to get in on that because it's so, on Disney so, Plus now. So wait a second. You're saying that a trailer for a movie was misleading? Yeah. Yeah, like the the oh scene. Oh my god! Well, you, you <laughs> we don't usually see that in Marvel movies, though. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, like like they shot two two versions. I don't mind it. Like that keeps it, but it's just kind of a weird thing for them to have mm-hmm. changed. It's like they lowered the stakes a little bit for Steven. Yeah, and I think I think I, I've seen that though in other trailers. There there are trailers I've watched for other films where scenes never made it into what we'll call the final cut. So sometimes those trailers are made way ahead of time, and for whatever reason, uh, it gets cut. And and I don't know if that if it would have changed much of anything had it gone one way or another. But uh, yeah, it, maybe they thought the humorous route where hey, well you remember this? No, okay then. Not you know, that maybe, could be. maybe like, that was yeah. just they wanted a funnier take on it, as opposed to being forbidden of from doing it. Yeah, I can see that. Like this, the, it was pretty serious right at the start of the movie, so maybe yeah. they needed that, like the that, tone. that Marvel formula needed the the joke right there, since all their movies are very quippy. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So what the spell does is it instead of making everyone forget 
about uh, Peter Parker. It starts pulling in everyone who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man from these alternate realities. And since in every Spider-Man movie leading up to, or Spider-Man movie in the past, the villain at some point pretty much immediately figures out that, or at some point in the movie figures out Peter Parker's Spider-Man. He's not very good at keeping a secret identity. So, (laughs) right. So it starts pulling these people in start. Our first one we see is Dr. Octavius uh, from uh, Spider-Man two, amazing Spider-Man two, or just Spider-Man two, Spider-Man two. Yeah. Uh, And then we get a pumpkin bomb. From uh, ob- or from Norman Osborn, and then Pumpkin later bomb. on we meet hmm? Pumpkin Bomb. Yeah, from Green Goblin, Spider- from, uh, the, the very Goblin first Spider-Man little... movie. No. Yeah. Oh, that's been a while. And, and, yeah, these and are... that's that's kind of the thing is we're bringing all these people back. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, oh. Willem Dafoe is still. A really good Green Goblin. Yeah, uh, he is in this, and and they also bring. Um, He's a big part of this. Uh, he is for this one, yeah. Uh, gosh, I just blanked on his name. The uh, Electro guy, uh, Jamie Foxx's character um, from one of the other Spider-Man films. Uh, I, I liked. I liked his line like after his first fight and Peter's trying to just like calm, calm everyone down. And he's just like a multi there's, there's gotta be a black Spider-Man somewhere, which. Yeah. Morales. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. There was a, yeah. So there's a scene in there where, um, uh, Max Dillon is, is Electro. That's that Jimmy Fox's character. I was trying to remember Max Dillon. Um, yeah, where uh, where him and uh, Peter kind of have this brief heart to heart or whatever, and he's you know I just you know out of all these different instances, I was kind of hoping one of y'all would be black, you know, and and it's <laughs> just like yeah, it's kind of pays tribute a little bit to the uh, to the multiverse Spider-Man that we've already uh, had a chance to see before this came out. So uh, I hold up hopes that they'll do a live action once so we'll see what, what what happens with that. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of good uh good things with this o- overall i really liked it from the aspect of they paid attention to details where it mattered mm-hmm. uh whether that was between all the spider-mans uh they had a funny uh, ongoing kind of skit over how they use their webs as different so oh, whatever, right they that was that was a that really funny bit they find out that toby mcguire's webs are organic and they're like what yeah they don't come out of anywhere else, do they? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then they're kind of like, you ever have a, a like lockup so it just doesn't work? And it's like, you too. And, and they've all had these issues. Um, there were the conversations that they have about what's what's similar with them versus what's different uh, is is pretty profound. And, and they made they made good use of all of it, right? Everything that you liked from the other films, they brought it all together and they did a really good job of making everything kind of stick together and stick together well. Um, even down to, um, uh, what's it, the amazing Spider-Man, uh, what's his face? Andrew is, Garfield? Uh, yeah, Andrew Garfield feeling redemption, having an, uh, having the opportunity to save 
um, this world's MJ, for example. Um, mm. When she, uh, there's a scene where MJ in the film is falling from uh, a height. And if, and if our viewers remember from uh, Andrew Garfield's version, he wasn't able to save her. Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy. Mm. She, she falls and, and, and just hits her head just at, He's just half a second too late and couldn't save her, and she dies. Uh, in this film, we have a similar situation with MJ, and he is able to swoop down and rescue her uh, in, in time so she doesn't go splat under the ground. Yeah. And, uh, in, you feel this redemption when, when that scene happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the exact same way, too, as it yes. happened in the last movie. So this yep. really was kind of a... Like, they used this not only for uh like fan service and bring them in but also to kind of wrap up some of their stories yep yeah so they they gave um uh you know closure to to these other spider-men and and that was that was good each yeah yeah. each spider-man was able to kind of kind of complete or further their own story like you get a feel for where uh for where Toby Maguire's Peter Parker has been for the last number of years, just because his character is aged and changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make a really funny joke about him looking like a youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like all of that is good. Mm-hmm. I loved the interaction and the interplay between the three of them. And they all seem to be having a lot of fun. Yeah, there was a, you know, there's a, you know, science is always a big thing with with the Spider-Man when they really have to go build something. And there's a scene in there where they have to go build something. And and so you get to see them all kind of working, uh, all with their little kind of quirks in the same lab together. Um, and, uh, um, oh, what was it? Uh, well- well, the, the the point of the movie, like all the villains come into the MCU, and yes. the point the point of it is though that they come in right before they would have died in their last in the movie that we last saw them in. So uh, Doc Ock comes in right in the, right at the end of that big fight he had with Peter at the end of Spider-Man 2 where he dies and his machine goes bad and he dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green Goblin comes in right before he would have gotten stabbed through the chest with his glider. All that uh, so all the villains come in right before they would have gotten defeated and died. And mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Strange wants to cast the spell that sends everyone back just right away and peter defies him and he's like no we've got to save these guys yeah and And so he captures him he locks dr strange away and then the movie is about saving the villains from the last movies yeah it took it took an interesting turn so how do you think that you know these three spider-man need to come together to defeat all these villains comes down to how do we save them? How do, how do we give them a second chance almost? And uh, it, it was pretty interesting how that all panned out. So you got to see a different, maybe slightly softer side of the villains. Um, uh, it was very humanizing because yes. especially at the end for uh, like, we're spoiling things. I'm just going to spoil, like they, they managed to save everyone and mm-hmm. uh 
Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin was kind of the became kind of the ringleader. He was faking it to or faking going along with Peter and Aunt May uh, until he could effectively double cross them and yep. ends up upgrading all the here all the villains with new tech yep. except for uh except for uh, Dr. Octavius, who gets yeah. saved early on. Yeah. But and then so it's... Uh, it, hmm? it, I, w- I was going to say, uh, I don't know that the Sandman got any uh, upgrades, but he was yeah, He didn't get any upgrades, but he yeah. did get saved. Yeah, he did get saved. And so, yeah. That, that was a departure from what I thought the movie was going to be. Um, there was one funny thing where, uh, I was just trying to, trying to look it up here real quick, but there was, um, uh, Ned, Peter's best friend. I think, I think all the Peters have had their best friends die at some point and that was kind of brought up. And so Ned's running around, like trying to wonder if he's going to end up getting killed during this whole, uh, escapade at some point, which was pretty funny. But I think one of the more interesting things about the movie is like in the mcu mm-hmm. we'd never gotten the spider-man origin story right like we'd always assumed that his uncle ben had died and that's why he's being a hero mm-hmm. but i don't think we've ever heard reference to uncle ben we just know that he's raised by his aunt and we never hear anything about an uncle ben or with great power comes great responsibility. We've heard it paraphrased. Yep. But never, it, we, we've never really confirmed that Peter had that trauma in his past. But in this movie, we find out that this, the trilogy of Spider Man movies has been his origin story all along because at about three quarters of the way through aunt may dies no really yeah yeah aunt may plays is kind of playing the role of uncle ben in this in that it's her death at the hands of the green goblin and she's the one who tells peter with great power comes great responsibility yeah and And that kind of comes to a head at one point when all the spider-man kind of gather up together um in basically kind of a moral support scene and um they repeat those words back to peter and yeah that, tell him their story like who yep, they and like. that's when it kind of all comes together it's almost like all the spider-man as far as their origin story has a pivot point in their life hmm. this this point where they're set on this direction and they maybe better understand their purpose but it was all born out of that tragedy and um, that like that echoes uh, the comic event into the Spider Verse when all mm-hmm. the alternate Spider Mans are meeting each other. They do have kind of scenes like this where they they connect and they're like, "I lost my Aunt May. I lost, I lost my best friend Peter Parker." Mm-hmm. And so that was that was really interesting because at the very end of the movie, like we see. Peter kind of starting over from nothing. And this is the Spider-Man kind of that we all know and are familiar with now. He's not, 
because at the end of the movie, they had to complete the spell that made it, but they had to change it so that everyone everywhere forgets Peter Parker. Yep. So Peter is starting over with a blank slate. He doesn't have any start. He doesn't have any support from Stark anymore. Uh, He doesn't have his aunt May to fall back on. And he's starting off from scratch. And at the very end, you see him uh, sewing his own costume for the first time and then swinging out in the red and blue that we kind of recognize from the comic books and from past movies. Yep. And that's, uh, for me, That this was a, as a Spider-Man fan, this was probably my favorite Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. Uh, I'd echo that. This was the best Spider-Man I've seen, and, and it's not in terms of, you know, it's not like oh the graphics were the best or or anything like that. It was what they managed to do with existing content out there, existing old Spider-Man films, tie it all together and make it work within the universe that they're building going forward. Mm-hmm. It, it was it, it was done well. It wasn't it wasn't half baked or or anything of that nature. There wasn't anything really not to like about it. And and again that the way that they managed to and they crammed it into one movie. Yeah, you know, it, they managed to 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 get it full circle within one movie, um, have the life life lessons out there, and and when you get to the end of it, it was pretty astounding on on uh, you know, hey, the last decade and a half or whatever has been an origin story leading up to this point almost, and and they managed to pull that off, and I thought that was great. Well, not only that, but they also like revitalized two different characters. Yep. Or a bunch yep. of different characters, and mm-hmm. it's even completely pop. Like it's, I don't think they'll do this, but they could bring back those Spider Men at any point, mm-hmm. or do Spider Man movies set in those worlds. Yeah, like, I I agree. I mean, I I was one that that growing up, I've always liked the the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. I always thought that was great, and and being able to see him come back into the latest gen of Marvel was was awesome. See. Know? Now here here's something because Toby Maguire at the time I thought Toby Maguire was an excellent Spider-Man but over time that's kind of soured mm-hmm. uh and not, that's fair not really soured like I still like him as Spider-Man he just was never my favorite Spider-Man just yeah. weaned a bit yeah like cuz I thought Andrew Garfield was a better Spider-Man yep. and then I have like like I think Toby Maguire or not Toby Tom Holland is mm-hmm. the best Spider-Man that they've found like he's got the, he's got the right attitude. He's nerdy. He's got the quips. Uh, I think he's spot on. But what I do think, like after seeing this movie, is that Tobey Maguire grew into a much better, older Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like I agree with that. Yeah, he he now completely matches what I think of when I think of a Spider-Man who's been at the on the job for 30 years mm-hmm. or 20 years whatever it is however long he's been spider-man he look he looks and he's got the attitude of an older uh more uh more experienced peter parker right and andrew garfield also has that but more of a middle thing so i think like they really nailed the young spider-man uh middle age or kind of middle life cycle spider and then old 
older yeah Spider-Man you get to thing. see like, all the generations yeah. of spider-man through his life in, in one kind of where where they are now where they're going to end up and and how they'll eventually be you know at yeah. the so i guess life. how i another way to maybe phrase that is uh toby mcguire's spider-man is a spider-man who's kind of lived in and dealt with his trauma and has come to terms with it yep uh andrew garfield's spider-man is some as a spider-man who's still working through his trauma and some of his life stuff and then tom holland's spider-man is the one who the trauma is just happening to yeah 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 and the like after aunt may is killed uh tom holland his Spider-Man has major anger issues and is ready to straight out kill Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Yeah, he's he's got murder on the mind. He's he's he, hell bent. He's after revenge, and that's something we saw from both uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's Spider-Man mm-hmm. in their movies, and they help him kind of deal with that. They've yeah, been there's there. even they a scene where bridge. where uh, Tom Holland is about to uh, uh, you know kill the Goblin and is stopped by uh, Tobey Maguire's uh, uh, character. So, um, you know, he knows it's the wrong thing for him to do and, and ends up stopping him for that. But it was uh, you know they were there for each other uh, and were able to provide their life experiences to help each of them deal with uh their struggles going forward so overall i i loved it it was a 10 out of 10 spider man yeah like Absolutely. the writing was just so good yep. so did it did it invalidate anything from any of the previous movies i don't think so no i, I, I mean i don't think so either okay. well it invalid it technically invalidates the deaths of those villains if you were to go back into those movies okay like they would in the movie they would reappear Having like, uh, I think the sol- the solution for Doctor Octavius was to fix what had gone wrong with the neural connection in his arms that was mm-hmm. causing him to go crazy. Mm. Uh, they cured the Green Goblin of it or Willem Dafoe of his condition, so he's not crazy anymore. Uh, they cured Jamie Fox, so basically they removed their powers more or less. Yeah, yeah. Or fix mm. their mental condition, whatever happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, shall we switch gears a little bit and uh, talk about Boba Fett? There's been some interesting developments there. Now, I think uh, Seth and I are not fully up on all of the latest developments with that, but uh, Chris is. And I am. Seth yep. and I, I think, are through uh, episode uh, four of this uh, first season. So, um, Chris, you want to uh, now fair warning, there will be spoilers here. So, uh, Seth and I are, are ready for it. We're ready to be spoiled. It's not going to stop us from watching, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, those of you out there, if you don't want to be spoiled, tune out now and then come back and watch us later. But, uh, all right, Chris, you want to yeah, know what you thought? It's so it's interesting that you guys brought up that you only much watched up through episode four, because I can tell you that once you get to episode five and going forward, it's not so much of a Boba Fett series anymore but 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 this um this book of boba fett basically covers a a little bit of an origin story um uh from a from the aspect of what what happened to boba fett after the incident on on uh tatooine 
uh, where he falls into that that pit in one of the the Star Wars movies, right? Gets knocked into the uh, thing. Return and, of and the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Thank you. And and presumably eaten alive. Well, guess what? He didn't die in there. Um, he was so, still eaten alive. Technically. Yeah, he was technically eaten alive, but he wasn't dead. Um, so upon managing to get out of that pit, um, he ends up being, uh, well, I don't know if I'd use the word rescued, but becomes a captive of the Sand People. <laughs> He gets found and collected. Yes, found and collected. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it. I was like, dude, do we use the word rescue here? I don't think so. So, found and collected. <laughs> yes. Uh, what they kind of rescued a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. They didn't let him die. You that, know, that's rescuing. That's rescue. Don't letting so, him yeah. die. I don't you understand know? what they were doing because there were a couple people that they had chained up there right and i don't know what ultimately they planned on doing with them or they were yeah. going to barter with them later or what the deal was so dinner uh dinner yeah could have planned on eating them uh so anyways uh through some circumstances boba fett uh ends up bonding with the sand people and learning their ways and getting himself back on on his on his feet and ultimately uh some things go down and after getting what I'll call revenge uh, on uh, some people that were harming the sand people, they came back and took out basically the whole clan of sand people and Boba Fett ends up having to go then get revenge on them and uh, ends up taking over at some point um, uh, Jabba the Hutt's job as kind of mayor, Daimyo. if you will, daimyo. Uh, which is basically kind of like a mayor ruler of a of an area. Um, well, and it's so like a criminal like a crime, crime boss. boss. Yeah, criminal crime boss or whatever. So um, he takes over that role, and and these chapters kind of cover his growth and how he manages power um, in, in keeping that power and exerting his authority as you know I'm the Dymo here, and uh, uh, the chapters kind of go through that that point up until episode four when we take a little bit of a pivot and all of a sudden we're watching mandalorian season two is mm. what i'll call it um but before we go into that i have some gripes okay on some things that did happen that you guys would have seen which i think is uh so chapter three is called the the streets of uh mos Espa, and this is when fett is kind of wandering around uh trying to figure out um you know get his stuff in order and in this he comes across a a cyborg gang if you will uh and ends up employing them this cyborg gang was so out of place for me uh yeah. for this star wars era uh era it just did none of it made any sense they were almost too modern their motorcycles right their speeders yeah. were like the colors of of i think the, the most popular meme i've seen is like it was like hiring a local power rangers game right <laughs> and, and none of Are the color palettes wouldn't? i I'll, I'll share this here none of the color palettes work with anything it like historically to me in in star wars and it drives me it drives me nuts and it i it, it honestly pissed me off a little bit just because it just didn't make any sense they went yeah, I didn't think it far. looked right at all myself. It um, just... here we go. Yeah, so I it and and this is kind of you could see the color of the bikes there, and it, there's nothing in Star Wars world that says this should be a thing. It's it's not, you know, these shiny hot rod cyborg, right? Game it members like uh, you know, kind of reminded me of uh, maybe 1950s 
you know, with a lot of chrome and yeah, 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 bright shiny colors and uh, you know, uh, extravagant designs that kind of look, you know, I guess for it, it does look very out of place in that picture. Like it doesn't ma really match the aesthetic. It, it doesn't match in any aesthetic in any scenes that they're in. So even on on chase scenes or when they're running around the town, they stick out like a sore thumb. Right. And also, and where's the Black Ranger? Yeah, I yeah, I yeah. Where's where's the Black Ranger? So uh there's another thing I'll show because there's a funny Reddit thread where somebody says basically, you know, hey, I uh I fixed that for you. And it's and it's probably what the bike should have looked like. And uh I I would have had no gripes uh with that had they just gone that gone that route. And so this is uh an edit that somebody did. That kind of covers just some basic oh yeah bikes right. Let's remove the color. Let's just keep it simple. Nothing flashy. Uh, yeah. You know, still would have been a little bit weird with all the chrome and the motorcyclist type look. Uh, yeah. However, this would have been more appropriate than a shiny red or blue kind of uh, uh, bike. Uh, you know, right. flying around the city. Right. Yeah. I kind of let it, I kind of let it, their clothing go because the clothing is generally also very. There, there's like a color palette, right, with, with Star Wars and, and what people are wearing and, and things like that. And this cyborg group just tends to defy it. It's just yeah. It's I weird. mean, if they if they to look more like the design of what we saw with like the um, uh, the land speeders or yeah. even the yep. pod racers. Yep. Right. So yeah, it was just kind of glaringly I, odd. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand the, the thinking behind that, or to make them stand out more than than they had. Um, I think there's other ways to do that that are more character specific, maybe unique abilities or fighting styles. If they're cyborgs, maybe talk a little bit more about their enhancements and how they can help, uh, as opposed to them running around in these, you know, Power well, Ranger speeders. <clears throat> where I don't buy this so much on Tatooine. I might buy this on maybe Coruscant. Yeah, right. That's where, fair. Yeah, where it's it more is. modern and futuristic, yep. and yep. Yeah, I agree. agree. The the like your cyber gangs are usually found in cities, not mm -hmm. in Tatooine, which is the armpit planet. of the universe. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, everything on Tatooine is kind of gritty and sandblasted sandblasted yes. and dust blown because whenever you're driving right you know, whenever you see someone on a speeder there's always this huge cloud of dust right so it doesn't make a lot of sense to have very shiny right if you're not bikes. the lead speeder every time you're gonna have a sandblasted <laughs> bike right right so and, and it's no matter what everything's gonna be covered in a layer of dust sure yeah so but in my mind, it's like uh, the streets are like those of a western town. They're not yeah. paved, right? It's like see, it's like seeing a bright red shiny horse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, in the old west. Yeah. All right. So go on. So continue. That's, that's kind of where things then pivot. And and going in episode five, that's called the Return of the Mandalorian, and anyone can guess what that's about, right? So this episode kind of digs into a uh, what we'll call a, a meanwhile dot dot dot. Okay, really, so, it's just meanwhile. 
Yeah, it, that, that's what I would call it. I'd call it a meanwhile, because we're going to take a complete departure from everything that we've been doing on, on Tatooine uh, with right. Boba Fett. And we're not even going to have them in this in this episode. Well, okay. because they, they have been leading us to that a little bit by folks asking him the question, have you gotten your armor back yet? Mm-hmm. Right. So implying that this takes place before. Oh, you know, right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so go yeah. ahead. Sorry. So, um this is where you know like I was saying Boba Fett needs to get his streets in order and he needs help to do that. And so when the return of the Mandalorian kicked in and the episode starts off with him basically doing his thing, Mando that is, uh doing his thing and uh getting uh you know, he's working on a bounty. Uh is the way this this episode kicks out. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, the last episode we we ended um, with Boba Fett needing to get some uh, hiring and some and some uh, foot soldiers, right? So I was like, oh, well, maybe we're going to get the Mando here, and he's going to help him out with his with his uh, getting his streets in order. Yeah, uh, and favor. yeah, no, this ended up being a complete deviation to Mando misses Grogu, and we're going to start a, a multi-episode quest on how is Mando going to get back to Grogu. Hmm. That's what that's what the second half of uh, Boba Fett is about. Really? Well, and weird. now make no mistake, okay, Mando uh this this return of the Mandalorian focuses on um basically he's collecting a bounty and he finds his people again on this other planet. And when he meets with them, he presents them the uh that special saber that dark he saber. got. Yeah, the dark saber. And there's a legend behind it between, you know, they recap uh, what that saber means, what ownership of that means, and how you can transfer ownership between, you know, having a one-on-one battle and winning it off of uh, the person that that, that you fought. Um, and of course, he gets challenged actually by a member of his own guild. Uh, I don't know if guild's the right word, but we're going to use it. And um, he ends up having to do a duel, and uh, he ultimately wins that duel. Uh, from someone who thought maybe they they were uh, gonna be a better owner of the uh, the dark saber and he wasn't deserving, uh, and then the and then he gets called out by the guild leader basically saying, "Hey, have you ever removed your helmet?" Mm-hmm. And we all know if you've watched Mandalorian that yes. he has, correct. Mm-hmm. And he refused to answer, and they basically knew the answer. How how they did, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, maybe his refusal to answer was enough. Uh, um so they actually strip him of being uh part of the guild anymore and they banish him they say you no longer follow our ways um and that leads him to ultimately leave and end up on tatooine where he gets found by um bubba fett's right hand person um gosh what's her name uh let me pull it up here no 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 not yeah, Cara so Dune. we we it, did find Kara Dune, not her. Yeah, no, no, say, no she's out, she's gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he got shit canned. Uh, uh, no, Fennec. Oh yeah, Fennec. Go ahead, Seth. Uh, well, we kind of we learned that in uh, in the last season of Boba Fett that his. Uh, you mean Mando? His clan, yeah, yeah, Mando, yeah, was were kind of extremists. Yes, yeah, right. Re- basically, religious extremists, and there were 
like they can kick him out of that one, but they can't say he's no longer a Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a, ultimately what happens is they say he's not worthy to be part of the clan anymore and gets kicked out of the clan. And he could um, be like, "Bitch, I got the dark saber." Yeah, he does. He does take it <laughs> I'm and leave. Still your so, boss. I'm your yeah. boss now. So he he ends up back on Tatooine where Fennec, uh, Boba Fett's right hand uh, assassin lady, uh, she uh, she ends up hiring him and bringing him in uh, to recruit him uh, to help with some things. Uh, during this time, uh, uh, there's not a lot going on 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 Boba Fett's side other than you get the get the idea he's starting to negotiate with the other uh, groups around town and everything, basically saying, hey, there's this syndicate out there that's that's looking to kind of take over and 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 uh they want all of the uh spice trades controlled and yes now we're flipping from boba fett as mandalorian to boba fett is dune um right. because this becomes about spice trade right because i never knew there was spice on dune i didn't either but yeah well i mean there's spice on dune but you mean tatooine or yeah i'm sorry yeah tatooine. yeah sorry. there's there's yeah so tatooine is now all about spice star trek okay. nerd star trek nerd <laughs> now I just got confused there for a minute. Yeah, but that's what I meant. Spice is a is Doom not time. a drug that is endemic to uh, does not come from Tatooine. The spice trade goes through Tatooine because of uh, individuals like Jabba who would smuggle spice because uh, Tatooine was not an imperial world, and thus. Uh, or not, not tech. They did become imperial, but uh, either way, there were the the crime bosses, Jabba, and others were too entrenched there. So the spice trade continued through there, which is how uh, Han Solo got in trouble. Is he was running spice for Jabba, dumped the mm -hmm. load when a uh, when he was getting uh, searched Morty. by. Imperial forces, and he owes Jabba for all that. Uh, mm -hmm. In the books that are now legends, uh, Spice, I believe, comes from Kessel. Hmm. Okay. Which is a prison world. But not a desert world? Not a desert. It's just very unpleasant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Spice becomes a major part of this theme here. And as Boba Fett is uh, doing his power struggle and negotiations and things like that, Spice can be interrupted during these times. So uh, the syndicate's like, no, we want complete control of everything. And uh, ultimately, uh, you know, all hell breaks out. And, uh, you know, before that happens, though, we have to take another uh side trip because uh mando as i mentioned before wants to go see grogu so he actually goes off to the planet where we get to see luke training grogu mm. um and that was i i'll admit it was pretty cool um mm. had nothing to do with what the series started with but um it was a side quest right uh, yeah. an entire episode of a side quest of um you know uh mando ultimately is not allowed to see grogu uh, or at least they recommend that he doesn't because Grogu has a choice to make, right? He'll never be able to let go of his emotional ties to his friends and things like that and become a true Jedi uh, if he sees them mm -hmm. uh, from time to time. He's got to have that separation so he can focus on his training. 
So Mando, when he rides into planet, is convinced otherwise he doesn't need to see Grogu, but he leaves a gift anyways, which is pretty cool. He had a um, Mando picks up this spear uh, at some point in uh, the Mandalorian, yeah. and he has that spear melted down and made into uh, chainmail for mm. Grogu, uh, just kind of a, a protection mm. gift for him, and ultimately. Uh, he leaves the gift for Groku and decides to go back to Tatooine without, without seeing him. So Grogu continues his training and, and Luke makes a decision that, you know, he's going to give Grogu a choice. Luke says here, you can have master Yoda's saber, or you can have this gift, but you have to choose one. You have to choose to either leave and, and keep your connections uh, with their friends and deviate off the path of Jedi training, or you stay here and you, um uh you, you continue your jedi training so grogu decides that he's going to take the chainmail and head to tatooine hmm. so uh there's a scene where an x-wing shows up and i was like oh shit luke no it's grogu uh r2d2 flew him uh to tatooine and uh stuff kind of happens from there uh, i won't spoil so too much of the final battle but is he still basically the child though? yes okay Yes. Um, he's, he's still basically <laughs> the child. Your toddler came back. Yeah. So there's a heart-welcoming uh, reunion. Grogu shows up in the midst of uh, all hell breaking loose in the town. The syndicate has waged full war uh, against Boba Fett and the gang and uh, Fennec and uh, Boba Fett and Mando must take on the syndicate basically in the last episode uh, to have this final battle. But the, the the thing is, again, the way the episode ends is uh, Mandalorian uh, Mando and uh, um, Grogu uh, in his new spaceship. Mando gets a new spaceship in this, by the way. There's a whole episode on that, too. Huh. Uh, again, nothing to do with Boba Fett. Uh, you know, the, the way the series ends is them flying off into space together to hmm. wherever they're going to go. To season three of The Mandalorian. Yes, to season three of The Mandalorian. Exactly, exactly. So so this was less The Book of Boba Fett and more The Mandalorian season 2.5. Yes, yes. The, the second half, right? Because yeah. again, up to the point where you guys have watched, this was all Boba Fett. Boba Fett right. But I'm telling you, it does this pivot, and now it's Dune plus Mando 2.5 with... Boba Fett being the underlying story until the last episode when everything kind of hits the fan. And then it's about how do we help Boba Fett finish this thing with the syndicate? Uh, but clearly there's nothing, there's no reason to go back and look forward to anything for a Boba Fett season two. There's, there's nothing set up there. I'm not so, even sure what the point was. So would there be a season two or will there be I, a, is there supposed to be? I don't know. This felt like Mando, this felt like Boba Fett was filler episodes for yeah. Mando. Okay. So it, it may just be world building yeah. a little bit. Like the this might have been might have been Mandalorian season two point five, because that's the what they really care about. Mm -hmm. But this was a little bit of world building with a fan favorite character, Boba Fett. Yeah. Right. And establishing him for maybe use in future seasons. Yeah. I it's just, at, at the end of the day, the whole thing could have been written without any Mando. The, hmm. the, the entire thing could have been done without him, 
and there was enough content I feel there from Boba Fett from how they started it to get through the last few chapters without having Mando. Right. So um, I I feel it's a disservice to Boba Fett because of that. And, and I've not read the books, but from even friends I've talked about uh, that have even read some of the additional books and things like that, who knew more of the, the history there, see there's plenty to draw upon that, 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 that they didn't have to do that. So, however, it's it's Disney. The hot thing right now is Grogu and, and Mando, and so they found a way to do it. And I think they just went over the top. It would have been different if there was one episode where you know we we catch up to what the Mando's been doing, and he shows up and helps on a on a mission or something, and then leaves, right? right. And, right. and says, "I'm going to go find Grogu." Uh, bye. You know, I have something I got to do, and then that tells us where the next season of Mando is going to start. But they didn't. They literally. It's like. It's hmm. like Mando 2.5 starts halfway through Boba Fett. Interesting. So this is uh, also another instance of Luke losing a pupil. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right. It's going to happen to him a whole lot. I think maybe he should have <laughs> just... get used to that. I think maybe he should have just given Grogu the chain mail and been like, hey, your dad stopped by. <laughs> right. Yeah left this for time you. to time to do some more training yeah like the whole well the whole how long Jedi, is... uh the whole jedi thing about no connections that's not working out it didn't work out for the last order maybe we should go a different direction yeah you would yeah you right. would think that uh there's a lack of uh empathy there there's a lack of uh figuring out whether you can build a stronger jedi that does have those ties hmm. instead guess, of uh yeah guess what old jedi council i'm going a different direction because you're who's gonna stop me right yeah and what what i don't understand is luke kept those ties himself yeah so if he's if, got family he's got friends and yeah, he left if, to go save han and leia he did he left to go save them and and yeah. you know what things turned out okay. turn out well well but, okay it well in the long speaking, run it did in the long run it did yeah well and how long has grogu would Grogu have been in training by this point? Uh, I get the sense it was months. Months. <laughs> so y- you've got a toddler that's been away from his family for months. Essentially. Yeah, well, technically, well, I guess for Grogu's age area, maybe a toddler, like but Grogu's 50. over 50 years old. Well, I know, but I mean, essentially, he's very childlike, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, he's the child. He's like yeah. a toddler, mm-hmm. essentially. But and yeah, I don't he's been away from his family for a couple of months learning this whole new way of life. And then you go to him and say, Well, you can go back to your family or a new car, you know, or something, or you know, mm-hmm. or, or this old lightsaber kind of a yeah. thing. And you know, this I old think... lightsaber that smells like old man and swamp farts. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, of course, the kid's going to want to go back to his his family. He hasn't mm-hmm. been in Jedi training long enough. He hasn't learned. I don't think he's had enough, would have had enough time to learn, you know, what it means to be a Jedi and the importance of all the things that the Jedi value. So yeah. it seems for Luke to present him that choice as technically I what I would call a youngling seems mm-hmm. like rather early to be doing that. Yeah, and, I'm gonna, you know, if after his first year or two, then you give him a choice, say, okay, well, now you've learned 
the ways of the Jedi. You've begun to master the lightsaber, all these things. You've, you've started to control your abilities with the force. Do you want to continue down this avenue or do you want to give that all up and go back to, uh, you know, chasing around the galaxy with Mando? I mean, I'm going to take my superpowers and go home to where I can go, like, form attachments and not be part of this weird monk thing you have going on now. <laughs> right. Yeah. The The other thing that's interesting, though, is is when I look at it in terms of how long Grogu is going to be around, mm -hmm. uh, Mando's not going to be around that long. So if I was mm -hmm. Grogu, I'd be like, I can come back in 100 years and we can start this. Well, I guess Luke, technically, I don't know if Luke would be around then, but probably not. But yeah, but yeah, definitely not because he fucks shit up. Oh yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. We know what happens to Luke ultimately. So yeah, yeah. And that's kind of why I don't like the prequel or prequel stuff is because you know where things are going, and so we can't really root for Luke to get his shit in order and get the Jedi order refounded because we already know he's going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I kind of think that Ashoka Tano would be a better teacher for Grogu anyway. Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We now so, yeah, we that know was... that she's kicking around now. So I, yeah, I, again, short of the cyborg gang, uh, you know, the last half of Mando was or, wow, see, I'm even calling it Mando. Uh, <laughs> Boba Fett was indeed good. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, the, and the last, uh, up to the last episode, is still worth uh, watching for a pretty epic battle uh, in the city for the struggle of power. And, um, you know, things turn out okay in the end. But uh, it, it became less about Boba Fett uh, and, and more about uh, Boba Fett and Spice or sorry, more about Mando and Spice, and that was kind of it. So hmm. uh, I, I, you really don't learn anything more about Boba Fett. You really don't get any more growth in who he is or any of his history. Uh, they don't even really do any more of the flashbacks uh, after episode four, and that's why I say huh. they just took this gigantic departure away from uh, building uh, Boba Fett or taking advantage of having a, a, a set of chapters dedicated to him. Because they weren't. It was it was the first four chapters dedicated to Boba, and then the rest was something else entirely. Huh. See, this kind of makes me wonder if they didn't like, if they didn't have like a test screening audience, and by episode three, they were people were lose maybe losing interest. Yeah, we need to bring something in to turn this around. Yeah, I, don't know. I I've like from where I am. I've enjoyed what I'm watching, and if Mandalorian never showed up, I'd still finish the season. Yeah, and and I'm yeah. telling, yeah. So for anyone anyone listening, it wasn't bad. I'm yeah. just pointing out that 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 Boba Fett took a, a, a an odd turn halfway through the series, and yeah. and it was still good content. Don't get me wrong. You see some really awesome stuff when they when they bring in uh, Mando. Uh, you get to see Grogu's training with Luke, which was sweet um they they do have some cool jedi things in there um and and you realize how much grogu has grown in his training uh you get to see him do some pretty cool stuff too uh so there there's growth there um but but it, it's just weird right um yeah. 
just because we were building up something with Boba Fett and then we just took a, a left turn somewhere. Yeah, you don't expect the the lead character that the show is about to take a back seat in his own series yes. at the end. So, mm-hmm. interesting. All right, well, cool. Thanks uh, thanks for giving us uh, a lowdown on the last couple episodes there, Chris. Sounds mm-hmm. interesting. I'm going to try to see if uh, Linda and I can get through the last two episodes sometime tomorrow. So, check it out. So, anyway, uh, I think that about wraps it up for us. Um, thank you all for tuning in for this episode of Galactic Driftwood Podcast. We hope you'll check out all of our shows, past shows on galacticdriftwood.space. And of course, our partner uh, podcasts at synergynation.net. That's synnation.net. I think that's all for this episode. We will catch you all next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.